Welcome to Your Big Career Move, where your host, Yeshim Nicholson, chats to people about their big career moves, uncovers their motivations, their fears, their successes, and everything in between. Be inspired by their stories, and if you're thinking of making your own big career move, head over to yescareercoaching.com. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Welcome back to another episode of Your Big Career Move. I'm Yeshim Nicholson, and today I'm speaking to Anthony D'Souza. And we caught up recently for a coffee. We've known each other for a few years now. And it's funny, isn't it, how after these this time that we've known each other, we still keep finding out new things about each other. And, and Anthony's one of these people that always seems to be one step ahead of the game. And always leaves you feeling a little bit inspired and like excited about what you can achieve, which is really cool. But the last time we met, we had a bit of a giggle because we worked out that Anthony used to be a teacher and we'll talk about that in a minute. And he actually taught at a school that I went to in Mallorca, which is quite a coincidence. We never met each other when we were there, but yeah, it's a small world and that proves it yet again. So without further ado, thanks so much, Anthony, for agreeing to be on my podcast. I'm really excited about sharing your story because it's fascinating. So thank you. Great. Thanks for having me. And we already touched on the fact that you were teaching. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, I trained to be a teacher and ended up in a secondary school environment in South Africa. But before all of that, I received a bursary from the university in South Africa too. And I ended up in the school that you attended in Mallorca. <laughs> anyway, that was a very exciting period of my life. But after going back into back to South Africa, I spent in total 19 years in teaching. Mm-hmm. And I eventually became somewhat disillusioned with secondary school teaching. I, th- I think fundamentally it's broken, mm-hmm. not only in South Africa, but globally. And uh, what my... do you think is broken about it, Anthony? Because I, you know, we do hear that quite a lot that education systems are broken, to use your term. What is it? Do you think that's broken about them? Well, in my mind, I felt I was perpetuating a poverty mentality, and what I mean by that is that teachers go to school, they then go to university, and they're back in school. And so, in other words, the majority of teachers have no real world experience. Mm-hmm. And because I had some real world experience before going into teaching, I found that I found that quite frustrating. And therefore, I felt that the way secondary education is structured is not to the benefit of secondary school students. And I felt that after 19 years, I I, I couldn't move the mountain. So I I, I then transitioned to to go out and work on my own, which was which is which is what happened and which is quite traumatic actually because leaving the security of the teaching world and moving out on your own is 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 not an easy thing to do how did you make it less traumatic at the time well i think i i had a bit of help if if you know what i mean i had i had interests other interests and i moved from teaching into a fundraising role Okay. So I ended up in the nonprofit sector for five years after that, in the education sector, raising money for various educational initiatives, both at, at, in the school environment and in the health environment. And, and that was a, a completely new world to, to me, but it was very exciting. And someone had belief in me that this was that this is something that I could do. And yeah, I took it on. Who was that someone? I'm being nosy. 
It was someone on the board of governors and uh, he had a lot of experience himself. So he was an educationalist. He had run several private schools in Southern Africa and uh, he understood how to extract funding from the corporate sector. And he taught me the ropes. And yeah. I, I went off and I was able to do that, not only for to, to, to assist the building of several schools in Southern Africa, but I, I also then moved over to the AIDS Foundation of South Africa, based out of Cape Town, where we ended up raising millions for HIV and AIDS educational projects as, amazing. as well. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Just to go back to what this gentleman saw in you, what do you think it was that he saw in you that he... You know, was obviously invested in you and wanted you to come on board. I think it possibly was due to the fact that I was running a sixth form college in South Africa. So in other words, I was working with, if you like, first year university students or students with that, with that kind of potential. And it was an environment where we needed, well, not that we needed, we wanted to raise funds for disadvantaged students to also mm-hmm. have the opportunity to do a sixth form and to prepare them for university and it was it was that opportunity in during my years as running the sixth form college that I had that additional experience in the fundraising world Mm -hmm. Uh, it wasn't necessarily part of my brief as a teacher but it was something that I wanted to do and I think that other teachers didn't have that experience and also when it comes when it comes to fundraising not many people have fundraising experience either and so I had a little bit of an opportunity to generate funding for disadvantaged students. And that's, that's, that's probably what he saw. In fact, I had, I had some experience, at least. You know, it's, I think it's quite reassuring sometimes when you come across somebody like you who's very established, comes across as very confident, has achieved a lot. And for somebody like you to still say it was quite traumatic at the time, you know, it was scary, all of those things is... I think always a little bit reassuring for people that it's quite human and normal to feel all these things, all these emotions, because it is a big thing or it can be a really big thing. But actually, you can overcome those fears and overcome the traumaticness of it and and thrive as a result. What what else? So apart from somebody believing in you, or was that all you needed to to really make that big big leap because you said it was a bit scary at the time what else what else was it that helped you make that leap well I think it was an interest to move on to something else because I was no longer happy in a traditional educational sense as it were I felt I could assist people better by doing other things so I suppose that was that inner drive that was there to try something else and you know when moving into the fundraising world you normally put on the spot to raise your own salary as well. So there, is that, there is that additional challenge that, that, that you need to be up for as well. Yeah. So, so learning something new. And I think that that's something that's been with me throughout my life, because I think the world changes all the time and you have to pivot all the time. And if you're not willing to pivot all the time, you get left behind. This is so true. And this is exactly what I meant when I said that you always seem to be one step ahead of everybody else. (laughs) You know, you hear Anthony talk about it and then six months later you go, oh yeah, I remember Anthony talking about that six (laughs) months ago or a year ago. How is it that you keep up? Like, is it a passion of yours or is it just in build that you love to know what's happening? It's mainly in technology, isn't it, that you like? It is, it is. It it is partly inbuilt. And I think that I was was asked to help 
grow another school in Southern Africa, and I was placed as head of the IT department. Right. I wasn't trained in IT, but there's the, you know, here's a room, go fill it with computers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I did just that. And I, I, I mobilized the entire school community, parents, kids, you know, to raise funds. And we equipped the entire, you know, I was given six months to, to, to put it all together, to go around the country, research what was happening in the IT departments around other private schools and make it a reality. And I, and I did. And I think ever since I realized the power and potential behind the internet, that is something that's fascinated me right until this very day. The fact that it evolves, it changes. There's no effort on my part to want to be on the leading edge of where all of this is going. So it's basically a natural curiosity. It's not a chore for me to, 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 to learn new things all the time. You know, when Bitcoin came along, okay, what is Bitcoin? Okay, it's based on the blockchain. What is the blockchain? How can we use the blockchain, for example? Yeah. And now we're going through this whole experience of AI, artificial intelligence, and how that, how that can work for you. And I find that extremely You're fascinating. You're loving it, aren't you? Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. <laughs> the rest of the world is running around screaming and you're like, this is awesome. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, I love it. Use, use it to your benefit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, I mean, the reason that we first met is because at the time you were very much into crowdfunding and the benefits of crowdfunding and, you know, helping small businesses primarily to really capitalize on crowdfunding and you know I found that really fascinating actually can we talk about what you know how you got into that and how you and what's happened since because I know there's been some some developments since then yes well it came about because my wife and I were living in Mallorca at the time and this was about 12 years ago and for a period of nine years, we used what, what, what I had gathered internet-wise to launch our own business in Mallorca. Mm -hmm. So we built up a massive website of over 3,000 pages in four languages, generating over 4 million page views a year. In addition to that, I mentioned earlier, just before we spoke, that I had also been involved in making 500 videos mm -hmm. uh, that had been seen over a million times on YouTube. And, and so building up that online business was, was, was a fascinating experience. And so we then had to move back to the UK because of family circumstances. So we sold the business. And then I was thinking, you know, would, you know, crowdfunding was so new at that particular point. It was a name that most people hadn't understood. This was 11, 12 years ago. And I jumped on it, found out about it, did my first talk on crowdfunding down in St. Ives in Cornwall. And over the last 10 years, I've conducted over 250 crowdfunding workshops across wow. the country at universities, at, at, at colleges, at businesses and at accelerators and all of that kind of thing. And there was a niche. There were, there were very few of us at the time in the UK who were independent crowdfunding consultants. There were many mm -hmm. people who were involved in crowdfunding, but they all came along with an agenda. They were attached to a platform or to a yeah. service or whatever the case might be. And so there was always enough room for me to deliver a workshop and out of the workshop would come clients. And so that's, that was my model. For example, and I loved sharing the crowdfunding message. And what was and, it that you loved about it? Well, it was new, and it was something. Mm. You know, the teacher was still in me, as yeah. it were. So, in other words, you wanted to explain what the majority of people 
when you talk about crowdfunding, they say, oh, yes, I know crowdfunding. But when you start talking to them, you realize that they only know a, a very small section of what crowdfunding is all about. I mean, it's over a hundred billion dollar industry today. It's global. It's all run off the internet. And it's, it's, it's based on true tried and tested fundamentals when it comes to online business or even offline business. And I mean, the secret to crowdfunding is in the name. You need a crowd in order to go crowdfunding. And funnily enough, this is the thing that most people miss out on. Mm. They think that they can put up their project on a crowdfunding platform and that the crowdfunding platform will somehow whip up a crowd for you. And it, and it doesn't work that way. You've got to bring your own crowd along. Yeah. <laughs> Before you go crowdfunding, you need to build your crowd. So how do you do that? And because I had an idea of how to do that, that was, the, and so, yeah, so that is where I would help people. Well, I'd help them build their crowds yeah. before That's they go crowdfunding and also help them understand the, the various stages that they had to go through, the various success factors that they needed to have in place in order to run a successful crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. So you're sort of like a small business consultant, but also sharing the fundamentals of marketing and it's bringing, bringing lots of elements together, isn't it, really? Well, that's how we met on the marketing side. You were giving marketing workshops. I remember sitting in one of your workshops, being inspired by a fellow marketer who also understood the game. <laughs> and I think, I think that's where our friendship, if you like, took off. So, yeah. so yeah, ma ma marketing, online marketing is fundamental these days. It's, it's your window to the world. Yeah. If you don't set yourself up properly online, then people make an instant judgment based on what they find. Yeah, absolutely. And, so you're and, teaching these crowdfunding workshops. You've got crowdfunding clients. It's all going wonderfully. And then like <laughs> a lot of businesses, COVID happens and things change literally overnight. Can you talk us through what happened for you? Mm, lockdown. Yes. Mm. Well, it wasn't a pleasant time insofar as that both my wife and I lost our business because of lockdown. My wife was working out of clinics and she wasn't allowed to do her treatments anymore. I was on the road doing workshops. I wasn't allowed to give workshops anymore. And so our income ceased. So what do you do? I mean, it's quite a challenge. But what we did is we decided to bring our skill sets together again for the second time. Mm -hmm. And she has a particular interest out there. It is something called jin, jin Jitsu. Mm -hmm. It is an ancient Japanese healing art. And so she moved from working with people offline to helping people online. And she's now become the face of the business. And I just do all the te technical stuff in the background. And so we were, we were working very well together during the first six months of lockdown, we started building up the website. We started developing products for sale, videos, video courses, online consultation, and all the rest of it. And within six months, we were able to we were able to match what we had lost or whatever we were earning before lockdown. And within a further six months after that, we were able to quadruple what we were earning. That is before absolutely lockdown. incredible. I love this. I love hearing stuff like this. I love when people really just take a situation that's not ideal and turn it on its head and to get jargony about it, pivot and create something really quite extraordinary. And I, you know, I really love hearing your story 
and I have been telling other people about this story because I think, you know, there's always a silver lining, isn't there? There's always an opportunity wherever there's circumstances that are sort of beyond our control. There's always an opportunity to turn it around. And this is such a wonderful example. So what does your day to day look like now? Uh-huh. Well, one thing I have changed ever since I started working for myself, and, and that is I never wake up to the sound of an alarm clock. That is one thing I said, that if I'm going to work for myself, <laughs> I'm going to sleep for as long as my body needs to sleep for. <laughs> Fabulous. How many hours sleep do you get? Go on, make us jealous. I, I probably don't get more or less than the average person. I do get a good night's sleep. But so one thing my wife and I have learned from Spain is that the Spanish way, the Spanish day is very different to the English mm. day, for example. Yeah. So we only get going at 10 o'clock every morning. Lovely. So we have a meeting, we plan the rest of the day and all the week or the year or whatever. And we then retire into our separate office space and make things work. And yes, so so our work is flexible. We do tend to work, we somehow are disciplined enough to work five to six days a week. Mm -hmm. When we lived in Spain, we had to work public holidays. So here, a public holiday is just another day for us. But Mm -hmm. when we need to take time off, we take time off. For example, we went to Madeira for two weeks earlier on this year. And all right, I know we took our laptops with us, but <laughs> I was which about we can to say, do. <laughs> I, well, I was about to say that you you make it sound like it was a holiday, but actually I, I do love the fact that you, with your wife, have decided that because everything's online now for you, that you can decide to, well, let's go and work from Lisbon for the next two weeks or wherever you fancy. And I, you know, that's I think that's for a lot of people that's a very enviable lifestyle that you've achieved for yourselves i think it took us some a, a, a year or two to set that up for mm. us um, we do have what you refer to as a, a laptop lifestyle now mm-hmm. and uh, i think the one of the reasons why we went to madeira is because not only does portugal have a digital nomad visa but they have seven digital nomad hubs on the island yeah, where fabulous. you can just take along your laptop plug in free Wi-Fi internet for the day, but then they provide additional services like accommodation or so 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 you have this whole no digital nomad community where people meet up and they plan activities for you after hours or whatever the case might be. And yeah, I think think for a group of people, the digital nomad lifestyle is is quite possible. Yeah. And yeah, we can work from anywhere in the world now. I love it. And is is that attracting people of all ages, all backgrounds, different businesses, or is there a trend that you're seeing? Well, there are a lot of youngsters and a lot of youngsters that work for companies that don't mind having people, you know, they don't mind where they happen to be located. So you would find that one of the trends that I saw in Madeira is that they're there for a couple of months. And then they move on to somewhere else for a couple of months. Then they move on to somewhere else for a couple of months. Yeah. So amongst the younger generation, that tends to be what they're doing. But there are a lot of people with the same color hair that I have who also enjoy the lifestyle. Very nice. It's very cool. And I think it's becoming more and more prevalent, isn't it? I think, again, probably something we have COVID to thank for that a lot of people suddenly realize they, that they can do their job from anywhere they don't have to be in an office nine to five Monday to Friday and it's just that flexibility and freedom isn't it to to be where you want to be essentially 
So it's cool. Yeah, I remember I, before, I remember before COVID, I used to do online crowdfunding consulting all around the world. Mm-hmm. And I struggled to get people to use Zoom. How things have changed. <laughs> quite, quite. Sometimes we just need a catalyst like that, don't we? For, mm, mm, mm. Uh, to, to enable change. So having had this ridiculously varied career where you've been teaching I mean I guess the common theme has been teaching hasn't it and and the technology and having gone through all these different careers and all these fabulous experiences that you've had what's your definition of success nowadays right it used to be money Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think a lot of us feel that money will liberate us from where we need to be it's no longer that my definition of success is family, mm-hmm. spending time with family and looking after family because, you know, there's a lot of things going on out there that, that's, you know, there are a lot of messages oh, that are happening. The biggest one is trust. There's so much trust being broken down between us all mm-hmm. in so many different ways that you've, you know, one's got to look after yourself first so that you can obviously look after others. Yeah. And that to me is my definition of success is preparing for that, understanding how to take on changes like what lockdown threw at us, how to quickly pivot mm-hmm. uh, and so on. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think I'll ever retire. So retirement is not part of my success. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's, there's still just so much to do. So as, for, as long as my brain is functioning, I'll forever be involved in learning new stuff all the time. Yeah. I mean, this morning, just before we had this discussion, I was I paid $10.99 $10. for a Udemy course all on AI. And I tell you, it's blown my mind. <laughs> we should do a whole episode just on that, Anthony. I think there's lots of people interested in how AI sure. is going to change things for us. Sure. But I think that the point I'm trying to make is that learn. If you're willing to continually learn, there's just so much opportunity out there. Yeah. If, if I had my life over, I wouldn't go to university. Oh, that's interesting. And if I had children, I wouldn't send them to university either. Right, yeah. I have to admit that I'm inclined to agree with you. I think I'm, at the mm-hmm. moment, things can change. But currently I'm thinking, well, my eldest is only 12. So we've got a little while yet. <laughs> but I have to agree with you that currently I'm leaning more towards not going to university for her. I mean, it's her choice at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But I think where knowledge used to be power, you know, that's shifting. Knowledge is almost worthless now because you can find out anything, anytime, anywhere. So it's, I am going to get t-shirts printed one day with educated by YouTube because I feel like that's how my children, and we limit how much time they spend online, but they still learn all their best stuff off YouTube for sure. Well, there we go. Yeah. There we go. That answers the, the yeah. yeah. And 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 they don't have to end up after a four-year university career with all that debt. Huge uh, debt, yeah. What a horrible way to start your working life, in exactly. my opinion. But anyway, exactly. you know, everybody exactly. has different opinions on this. But yeah, I think I'd rather for them to get the, you know, some real life experience. Obviously, if you're going to be a brain surgeon, that's a little bit harder. Quite. Quite. But for other jobs, I think, you know, being able to use your creativity, your initiative, your empathy, all of those things are going to be so valuable, I think. But watch this space. The world can look totally different in 10 years time again. So. Oh, it will. It will. Yeah, we just it will. keep up with what's happening. 
You mentioned family when I when I asked you about success. And I'm really curious because you've worked with your wife in the past. And obviously you live with your wife and you're working with her. How does that work? I mean, bearing in mind, she's possibly going to listen to this at some point. So you better watch what you say. But no, I mean, genuinely, I'm interested because I think a lot of people have romantic ideas about working with their partner. And I've definitely met people that make it work for sure. And it's all quite harmonious and, and it works well. And then sometimes it doesn't work so well. So what's your experience? And uh, have you got any top tips for anybody that's thinking about getting into business with their partner? Well, I think, yeah, there are, there are various issues. <laughs> uh, one is, I suppose you both have to have that kind of personality for it, for it to gel. Mm-hmm. Not, not every marriage is cut out for partners working together. Mm-hmm. And some marriages work without that. Some marriages work with it. And in my case, we, we've tried it out before. When we were in Mallorca for nine years, we, we worked under quite difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. And In what way? Well, firstly, you throw in two extra languages. On the island of Mallorca, they speak Castellano as well as Mallorquin. Yeah. And all, you know, we had anything up to 700 clients on the island. And I would say about 85% of them were Mallorquin. Blimey. So you had to learn how to deal with another culture in another language. Mm-hmm. So that was quite stressful mm-hmm. in various ways. I and I think one of the biggest things I learned out of that, or that we both learned out of that, and I think it's absolutely fundamental to the success of any, any, any business, and that is that we learned how to sell. Mm-hmm. This is something that doesn't come naturally to most of us. And we would prefer to hire a salesperson to do the job or, or, or we shy away from doing the selling. Mm-hmm. And in Mallorca, we were forced to sell. And we would analyze every single presentation. And in our first year of business, we had an 18%, 20% success rate in closing, in closing the deals. Yeah. The next year, it went up. And so as the years went on, Mm -hmm. uh, 50%, and towards the end, just before we left, we were having over, well, close on 100% closure rate. Amazing. And that is because we weren't going out to people. We had built the brand up to a point where it was recognizable all over the island, and people started coming to us. Yeah. But we would not have been able to have that successful business if we had not gone through the the pain points of learning how to sell. And that was not easy. And I suppose that's where we cut our chops on learning how to work together. Is is analyzing every single presentation after we had done it and Mm -hmm. finding out what could we have done better. And that's not easy because because either party could consider it criticism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As opposed to really you're just wanting to improve. And now it's second nature to us. And I think that if, if that's one skill set that people can improve on, because I was not a natural salesperson, you don't have to be. But if, you, if the willingness is there, you can learn how to sell. And we all sell all the time. If we can overcome that feeling of, am I good enough? And learn how to sell, it, it changes everything. Changes yeah. everything. Yeah. 
And so your relationship with your wife now, do you have, you said you start your working day at 10 o'clock. Do you then say, do you have rules around, right, you know, we don't talk shop after five o'clock or we don't talk about it at the weekend? Or is it just this fluid, you'll talk about it whenever you feel like it, essentially? Sure, sure. Because, yeah, we have enough me time. Mm-hmm. enough joint time without all the work and then mm-hmm. work time it, it somehow seems to work out for us yeah yeah I mentioned that we over the weekend we went to sit in a lovely pub garden on a fantastic spring day and now we didn't talk about work and we just enjoyed some personal time together yeah that's really nice and it. during the day, if at, at some point we feel we want to go for a walk, I tend to go to walk, go for a walk twice a day. My wife, Astrid, goes walking as well. So there's mm-hmm. that time. If she wants to go and see a friend, she gets into the car and goes and sees a friend. So, yeah. you know, it's... it's you're, you're not watching the clock and going, n- Not in the least. You said you were going for an hour. It's been an hour and a half. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> and how do you decide... Who does what within the business? Or have you got very defined roles that you sort we of do. naturally fell into? We do have. She she has the knowledge about Jin Shin Jitsu. I don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or she's the expert. I mean, she's she's a trained instructor and has been doing it for over 20 years. She has the ability to take this, to take the message mm-hmm. and to simplify it in such a way that we can all understand it quickly and easily. So and she so, has she shares your teaching DNA then. Mm, she does, mm. and she enjoys the teaching as well. Mm. So she's able to. It's it's basically Jinshin Jitsu is using your hands on various energy sites on the body mm-hmm. in various combinations that that have have amazing results. And she came to it because she had suffered from migraines, and someone suggested she look into it. And so it's been part of her life for the last twenty plus years, and she's been. We were in Lisbon a few weeks ago because she was on a five-day course. So she's forever keeping updated in it. So she has the expertise and she's more than comfortable doing the online training and being the front end of the business. So it's only her profile that's on the website. Yeah. And I, I don't exist from, a, from, from that point of view. <laughs> <laughs> You're the machine that's making it work. So, so I have all of this online marketing experience, yeah. understanding which tools can work and, and how to put them together and how to make best use of them. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Amazing. Do you know, I think every solopreneur needs an Anthony behind them. You would, you would make so many solopreneurs' life so much easier. <laughs> yes because a lot of a lot of you know one man bands you know and especially practitioners I think who are very very good at the skill that they have they're very good at doing what they do but really not comfortable about marketing themselves about selling themselves they don't like the tech and that's putting it mildly some of them are very you know terrified of the tech um, and can't get their head around it or choose not to get their head around it in some cases so yeah, if you if if we could just clone you and put a load of Anthony's behind each of these <laughs> solopreneurs, it would make a massive difference. They would love you. You're probably going to be inundated with calls after this podcast goes oh. out. They'll all be wanting a bit of you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know if I can help. We've got so much work ourselves at the moment. Well, I'm quite aware. Yeah. Mm. Well, this is a nice luxury problem for you to have, isn't it? Well, we. There's one thing about working online, and that is, in my case, I always used to say that you need to reinvent yourself online every three years. 
And now I'm beginning to think that you've got to do it every two years. Mm. So, right, we launched after lockdown. Uh, we've done well. We've managed to sustain it up until now. But we have big plans to, well, basically reinvent ourselves and start again. Not, not, not start again, just have a new version yeah. by the 1st of September later on this year. So we've got these three months now to, to, to put all of those things that we've decided are important in place in order to take on board all the changes that are taking place online. Yeah. You honestly get left behind if you don't, if you don't move with it. So true. So true. Mm. Well, exciting times ahead. And I can't wait to see how things go. And, you know, if I have my way, I will have Astrid on this podcast because I know she's got a fabulous sure. career change story to tell as well. So. Oh, she does. She does. Yes. Yes. So yes. hopefully she'll be my guest at some point this year as well. That would be fabulous. And then she can tell me what it's like to work with you. Yes, of course. <laughs> she might tell me the truth. It's so fabulous talking to you as always. Any final pieces of wisdom you'd like to impart on somebody who's perhaps thinking of a career change, but is, you know, maybe having fears or doesn't really know how to go about doing it? Have well, you been through the process a few times yourself? Well, there's just so many courses online. Start there start there and equip yourself with the necessary skill sets before for pivoting before you yeah. move over it's just so much available you mentioned youtube there's udemy there's there's tons and tons of other websites with with, with incredible material yeah sound advice the world is your oyster mm-hmm. and that goes for anybody of any age very true anyway <laughs> very true age is no barrier Thank you so much for your time. I've Welcome. really loved hearing your story and sharing it with everybody. And I will see you soon, no doubt. Take care. Will do. All the best. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, do share it with them and subscribe now so you never miss an episode.